0: Welcome to HeartSpeak Podcast, episode 134, Earth Love. Welcome to the HeartSpeak Podcast, where valuable insights are shared that bypass the mind and resonate with the heart. Listen, open your heart, become inspired, find the joy and fulfillment that awaits when you follow your heart. And now, here's your host, Dr. Christine Page. Well, hello there, wherever you are in the world, welcome especially on this special day when we are celebrating our planet Earth. We are understanding that we don't just need to be good guardians of this Earth, we need to be better guests. And we are understanding that she in herself is a conscious being who is evolving to that 12th dimension. And if we wanna be on board with that, we better learn How to honor, respect, and root into her so together we can grow. So, today I'm talking about our planet Earth as a living being, as how we can work with the diva kingdoms, the spirit beings that live with us on this earth, and how to understand plants and water and trees in a much better way because everything on this planet has a life force everything is alive and it is time for us not to see ourselves as again the guardians of these life force but to learn from them to experience ourselves in a way that maybe before we've always seen ourselves a little separate but within us are all those elements within us are the trees the stones the waters the fires And so we are no different from the plants and the rocks. We are part of this beautiful collective that is Mother Earth, that is Gaia. And I was thinking about this subject and thought, how do I want to start? And you know, my family have always been those who work upon the land. As I went back through my genealogy, I discovered land worker, land worker, land worker, baker, fisherman, landowner, <laughs> land worker. We've never quite owned land, we've always worked on it. And I was very proud of the fact that this was my heritage. And as a child, we would have a garden, and it was expected as children that we'd all work in the garden with my parents. And it was a very organic garden, not because we particularly had read about organic gardens, because that was the only way that we knew how to work and that had been passed down through my parents and through my grandparents and understanding how to grow our own vegetables how to grow our own fruit how to look after the flowers make things beautiful and i learned that naturally i loved having my hands in the earth i can remember many a time when i was studying for exams And it was exactly the time when we had to pick the fruit. So I'd have a book perched up on maybe one of the trees or in the earth. So I was learning at the same time as picking the fruit. And we had everything. We had raspberries, strawberries, gooseberries, blackberries, blueberries. And yes, I will say there were times when I thought, why is this my job? Because some of those fruits can be particularly prickly. But I loved the fact that once I had those juicy fruits in a bowl and they could make a pie from them, that I knew that there was very little difference between where I'd taken them from the earth and we were now eating them. Of course, I ate a lot as I was picking them as well. (laughs) And we grew our potatoes, our vegetables in the summer, vegetables in the winter. And I learned how to make a mound of earth over the potatoes so that the potatoes will grow into the earth rather than giving all the vitality into the leaves. And I learned so much about how we could persuade the birds not to eat everything. And So it was my natural tendency to go to a place called Finhorn that some of you may know about in the north of Scotland. And Finhorn was set up in the early 60s, 1960s. I didn't go there till the mid 80s, but by then it had become a thriving community. And one of the aspects of Finhorn that was so important was that people talked about how the people who had set this up, the creators of this land, Peter and Eileen Caddy and Dorothy MacLean, had built a whole garden, a community on sand dunes. And it was suggested that nothing's going to grow there. It's sand dunes. And yet they learned not only to use good compost from the sea, seaweed, and other composts. They, they had their own composting areas. But they also learned how to talk to the diva kingdoms, to the angels, to the plants themselves. They realized that when they worked in harmony and cooperation with these divas, Then they learned how to plant how to grow when to grow very much the beginning of biodynamic farming and when we listen we know what is right when we don't listen hey the circumstances are there and as i mentioned last time i'm listening to how to grow a garden here in the desert but finholm was a very important place for me and If you've ever been there, you know that one of the first things you have to do is to attend an experience week. And that's really where you learn the philosophy of Finhorn. The philosophy of Finhorn is very much about loving the earth, loving each other, loving what you do, speaking to the plants, speaking to each other, uh, aligning yourself every morning to your job, your passion, what are you doing, and to the people you're going to do it with. And I remember that in the one part of the day, you had, you had lectures and wonderful things that you could go out to do, but it was always so expected that you would work within the home or the house as well as in the gardens. And it could be that you spent a week cleaning toilets and making beds, you could spend a week in the kitchens or you could spend a week in the gardens. And this wasn't your choice, it was chosen for you. Well, I have to say, I felt so lucky that I was allowed to go and work in the gardens because I learned so much. And this was my natural tendency to want to put my hands in the earth. And I learned that there are no such things as weeds. They're just plants in the wrong place. And that if you talk to the plants and say, this isn't really the place I want you to be, would you mind if we move you over? Then they will start to move. In other words, they won't grow so prolifically in that area. I also learned that when you grow something, you always grow three times as much as you need. You grow one portion for yourself, one portion for the creator, for the earth itself, and one portion for the birds. And then everybody's happy. And you might say, wow, that's a lot of growing. But again, it's a way of harmonizing. And it was a way that I found that the birds would not eat all the fruit we all had enough and we asked how and what we should grow where and that was a really a major part that if there were trees in a certain area you would be very mindful before you planted another tree you'd say is it okay if we plant this tree here because the plants communicate with each other; trees do and they communicate, we know now through the mycelium, the, the connections underneath where all that we call it fungi are. So all the roots that are within the earth of this mycelium fungi, they literally connect all the trees together, all the plants together. And through this system, this network system, plants and trees literally are taking in nutrients from the earth, but they're also releasing gases, nutrients into the earth and they're moved, being moved around. And so when we're thinking we're just planting a tree, we have to acknowledge and we have to ask that mycelium, well, what is it that you need here? And would it be okay for us, for us to put this here? There is a system called, I think it's canopy shyness, where some trees will literally stop growing if they get too close to another tree. They, you know, they know they don't want to touch each other. Some trees are actually poisonous to other trees. And when we're not thinking about these things, we just think, oh, isn't it wonderful? Let's go and plant lots of trees. But if you've ever been in places, I'm thinking of New Zealand, of Hawaii, where there are natural wild forests, you'll see that they're made up of many different types of trees. Some of them are very tall, some are short, and they work in harmony with each other. But when we grow the same trees in the same area, first of all, they're going to just leach all the nutrients from the ground, but they're also not necessarily preserving each other or helping each other. And I think that's been a real mistake that we've made. I've seen, again, I'm thinking of New Zealand, Hawaii, where they've, Grow and lots of trees of the same kind because they are very quick growers and they can use it for wood but they actually have forgotten that that isn't necessarily the function of a tree just to provide us with wood and paper function of the tree provides nutrients for, provides growth provides sustenance for our woodlands for the animals for the for the insects and for the trees themselves and that's something that i feel that I love it when I hear arborists and others who work with the trees understanding how important it is to talk to the trees, to see where the trees want to be. Because they are literally not only the source of our oxygen, which is through photosynthesis, but they're also the connector. They they connect spirit, they move energy around. And when a tree feels stuck or it's in the wrong place, The energy, our spirit cannot move. So literally, we need to be listening to what the trees have to say. I also learned that obviously trees and plants may even help each other. For instance, there is a a story of one tree being eaten by an animal and another tree coming out and, and putting out a toxin, a literally a chemical toxin that will drive that animal away. I think that's magical. Just how trees can produce and send minute micro dosages of chemicals. We also now know that trees even send out an electrical system. You may have heard about this, where literally, if you have two plants and they're in separate rooms, but you may be cutting one plant and maybe doing it a little in a rough way, the other plant will hear this and feel it and will also feel that pain. We we now know that by being able to apply electrodes to plants, just how sensitive they are. We also know that plants that are around people who are depressed, the plant will get depressed. Literally, we've seen that if you put plants in a room where people are depressed, the plant will die. Yet if you put it in a, a room where people talk to the plants and engage with the plants, that's when they live. So if you talk to your plants and you talk to anything, hey, I'm with you there. I may overwater some of my plants, but that's my love for them. But talking and saying how beautiful you are is so important. I recognize that it isn't they, just, they don't just need us to say, "Well, thank you for producing all these wonderful fruits or blossoms. They also need, like a child, to be told, you are so beautiful. Because, you know, if you tell a child, thank you for doing this, yes, the child may glow. But if you say, wow, you are so clever at doing this and this is something that I couldn't do, this is brilliant, that child will glow. And no, it isn't being patronising to the plant or the child. We have to meet everything we meet in the world as we would want it. How do you want to be treated? How do you want to be spoken to? And so these were things I learned when I was at Finhorn and I took them into practice when I had my own garden. And I learned that if you plant marigolds around tomatoes or rose trees, the marigold will actually, it uh, repels nematodes, worms. And so it keeps away any worms that might eat the roots of these trees. I also heard that marigolds are very good if you put them near certain like cabbage, etc. They've got such a small, strong smell that the cabbage moth will, be, will not be able to smell the cabbage itself and therefore will stay away from the cabbage. We also use onions in certain places. If you grow onions along certain different plants, then they will take on some of the onion smell they actually make it the the cabbages the broccoli actually taste better not so good with it's around asparagus and i remember that if you wanted to get rid of too many slugs in your garden then you would fill a half grapefruit an empty grapefruit skin and you'd put some beer in it and the slugs would go inside and they would drown but very happily in the beer <laughs> So there are different things that we've all learned how to do, and I'm sure there are many more. I spray my roses with garlic, not pure garlic, but I put garlic and put water in it, and that keeps away the aphids. I learned that from watching a program on Buckingham Palace. I, of course, use soap water. That also can work. So there are so many ways in which we can vitalize our own land, vitalize the gardens, using, again, compost that we could use. And many of those ideas came from Finhorn. And I remember them saying to me is, if you want to bring a plant, or I should say cuttings, like a flower, into your home, you should always ask the flower, may I cut something, I've uh, cut this beautiful daffodil, and take it into my home. You should never just go out and cut and never break. Never break a branch or break something because that truly is traumatizing the plant. If you want to take flowers into the home, cut them. Cut them preferably with silver or, or gold-like scissors or a knife. And using copper implements is really powerful because copper is a wonderful way of connecting energy within the earth. It feeds the earth very well. So there are so many tips there, and I'm sure you have many more to tell me of ways in which you've learned about the land. And these, I believe, really take us into that place where we are respecting the land in a way that isn't about, as I say, being a guardian, but asking the land, how can I help you? You know, I've worked a lot with Diva Kingdoms. So what are they? They are little light beings, uh, spirit beings, who know how to use what we call web plasma or the etheric body it's like a etheric crystal energy and literally what they do is they implant themselves or imprint themselves in this mold and they then take on a form and we might see them i mean people have described them as fairies or the nymphs or sylphs etc but they can also take on the form of a plant itself they literally are fed by that plant and feed that plant with light energy. That's the way I've seen it. So when I'm out in nature and I'm talking to nature, sometimes I'm literally talking to what people call a little person, an elemental. Yes, they've taken on that form of being a tree or being a rock, but they could also, as I turn my back on them, disappear back into the world of ether and beyond into the world of spirit so what am i saying is that the elementals are what people have described as little people fairies which we believe have existed on this planet for a very long time and worked in harmony with her and what they are showing us is not only how to grow better plants or better trees etc but how that we too can be fed by the life force of plants, not just the nutritional value of plants. That when we change our own light of physical body to a lighter form, a less dense form, fourth density, fifth density, yes, we take in the energy from the plant, from the fruit, but more importantly, we are merging with that plant's energy and being fed by the light energy in that plant rather than just the nutritional quality. And this, I believe, is what the elementals, the diva kingdoms are trying to get us to see, is that we are not just a physical form, that when we talk, communicate with these elementals, then they will show us how to raise our energy, how to change our energy, so that we won't want to eat denser foods, we won't want to eat processed foods, we will be more sensitive to foods that have preservatives in them, or pesticides have been, they've been produced around pesticides, and we will demand food that has a life force in it. And I know I mentioned this before, but I really say that when I've been in places where they've told me this food is wonderful, it's so nutritious, it's the best food out, and I've been sensitive to the fact there is no life force in it. So I want to give you permission to really feel into the food you're eating. Some of you know how to use your non-dominant hand to sense energy in food. Your non-dominant hand is much better at sensing. Your dominant hand is better at receiving. Sometimes I might just run my hand over some food to see if there's a life force in it. Do I have a resonance back in my hand? Do I feel a vibration? Sometimes I don't need to actually use my hand. I can feel it in my body. So just because someone tells me this is good food to eat, I want to know, has this food still got a life force in it? Has it come like I learned when I was a child from the earth itself? Has it seen the earth recently? And as I'm eating that food, I can feel the sun in that fruit. I can feel the nutrition in that, that food that isn't just about vitamins and minerals, but I can feel the little, the worms that have made that earth more nutritious. I can feel what love went into the cooking of that food. So the more the love that goes into the earth, the more we honor the food that we're eating, the more we will raise our vibration. And when we raise our vibration, we literally demand that that food, the food we're eating has that vibration in it. And so when I hear people talking about, oh, well, I want to change my diet and maybe I want to become, uh, eat less meat, etc., that's fine. Do whatever feels right to your body, but make sure that whatever you're eating is live, has had a life force in it. Sadly, so many of the products that we're seeing now have been grown through GMO, genetically modified. And when GMO first came out, everybody said, this is is gonna be wonderful. We're gonna have plenty of food for everybody and we're gonna have abundance. Well, that hasn't happened. Because when you limit a genetic genetic pool, as we know from humans, you actually, actually start to degrade and cause problems within that genetic pool. And so what's happened is, yes, there was abundance, and now productivity is falling off. And so what we're seeing is the need for more pesticides, the more work on these foods. So I just say that if you are being tempted to take more soy or more, I don't know, oils in your diet and you say, well, this is all, it's all vegetable oil, it's all healthy, Well, it might not be. And some of them, so much of our problems at the moment are because we have artificial foods, processed foods which are using far too much of the GMO oils or the soy oils and they're causing us distress. So we go back to the land is the healthiest way to be and to listen to our bodies. So here's just some suggestions. What I'm suggesting is that, first of all, if you have a backyard, if you have a garden or you have a nature place around you, get into that nature place. Whatever's happening in lockdown, get your feet on the ground. doesn't even matter if you've still got shoes on. Get out into nature. Root into Mother Earth, ask for permission that you may enter her space and allow your roots to develop into that place from the soles of your feet. And then as you walk wherever you are, whether you're walking in nature or standing, say to the consciousness that is all around you, I wish to communicate and resonate with the elementals, the beings who are around me now. And when you ask that question, remember, communication isn't about always hearing a voice or asking a question. It's about listening. And you may see a butterfly fly by or you may be attracted to a certain flower or you may be attracted to a certain tree or a certain rock or a certain piece of water. And so when you're attracted there, say, thank you for letting me be in your company. You may introduce yourself. Hello, I'm Christy what is your name and you may say are you willing to talk with me and what we're doing is not just having a conversation we're, we're communicating we're resonating so to say imagine meeting someone and saying hello you look beautiful you're so strong allow yourself to exchange some energy with them and then say would it be okay if i sat with you or leant against you or Whatever you're wanting to do, pick a plant. And if they say no, then move away. <laughs> because truly that's not the plant for you. And then move on. And you're really asking, what is the best way I can serve you? Not the other way around. How can I serve you as a tree? I remember someone telling a story recently, which was about the the plant, the house plant they had, saying, I need to be outside, I need to die. And this house plant said, I I can't die while I'm in a pot inside your house. Put me outside and allow me to die. And it did. It needed to return to the earth, but it couldn't do it while it was still in a pot. I remember being told in Australia where a particular branch would fall off a tree in the middle of a drought so the rest of the tree could continue to grow. And then the next drought, another branch from the other side would fall off. We need to understand the language of trees, the language of stone, the language of water, and not project our humanness onto this. This, this tree didn't say, oh, my goodness, poor branch it's fallen off. It said, now we can survive. Many a time, rocks will take on a form and they will be in a certain place. Rocks are like a video camera. They're waiting for us to talk to them. So if you get a chance, hum to a rock speak to rock hello rock what can i can you you know what can you tell me about being in this place and i know that people like to pick up rocks or shells and take them home but please ask permission because there's nothing worse for a rock or a stone to be lifted away from where it's been living for a long time placed in a place that doesn't actually work for it i've heard of stones that have been taken and put into a building i.e as the building is growing and the stone is going i don't want to be here send me home let me be somewhere else so recognize that it isn't our place to always interfere and sometimes i've also heard about streams that have got blocked so if you see a stream and maybe it's blocked ask the stream how can i help you And sometimes we have to work in cooperation. They say, well, look, we can flow if you could just lift up those branches that have fallen into us. So my message is let us see our planet Earth as a living being. Let us see everything as a life force within this Earth and that we are just cohabiting here. We are no greater, no lesser. We are joined together but that the diva kingdoms, the light beings, the fairies are trying to help us to let go of the density that we live in. And we need to honor them and say, how can I live a much lighter existence here? And what they tell us is, please don't put your sorrow onto this earth. Don't put your fears onto this earth. Don't spread all your rubbish onto this earth we have such a problem now with so many pieces of rubbish such as the masks the nanoparticles the plastics and i hear people saying oh i love the earth and yet the next minute they're drinking from a plastic bottle and throwing it into where do they think it's going we have so many ways in which we are increasing the Rubbish, the trash that we're putting onto this earth. Every time we receive an Amazon box with plastic in it, this is all coming from the petrochemical industry. The boxes, where do we think they're coming from? They're coming from trees that we've cut down. Let's go back to a time where we literally would only buy something from a place where it literally had had as few people as possible touching it. Let us get our fruit from the trees and our vegetables from the farmers' markets. Let us make sure that we live in harmony with the earth as much as we can. Let's not put our toxins into the waters. This is the blood flow of Mother Earth. Let's not chop down trees just because they're in the way. This is the, the fairy ring. This is how the land lives. And I love the way the Irish talk about that the land is the goddess the goddess is the land what if we honored the land as this amazing truly goddess energy who she's not angry with us for how we live but she's saying I will not sustain you in this way this destructive way if this is the way you wish to continue because finally remember we are just living one of gaia's dreams just as you have dreams in the night and then wake up we are living one of her dreams if we don't like the dream that we're living then it's up to us to make changes in our life so we can live on another dream of gaia so is there a future gaia that destroys itself yes is there a future gaia where humanity destroys itself yes Is there a future Gaia where there is abundance and joy and totally free energy for everybody? Yes. It's not to say that we have to necessarily change everything in order to achieve that. I don't necessarily say that we have to behave in a way that we can then be part of a different dream. And it starts with us and it starts with how we treat our bodies, how we treat the earth around us and how we treat our soil, our inner soil. How we nurture the soul as the soil that is going to be our future. Have a wonderful day. Many blessings to you all now. Bye bye. Thanks for listening to the HeartSpeak Podcast with Dr. Christine Page. Please check out all HeartSpeak episodes in the podcast archive section on www.christinepage.com. HeartSpeak is also available on iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Stitcher Radio, and now playing on iHeartRadio. You can also watch the archive podcasts on YouTube. Connect with Christine on Instagram, LinkedIn, and Facebook, including her newest Facebook group a great mother calling. Do share with family, friends, colleagues. Join us next time for another edition of HeartSpeak.